I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. On this episode of the world's most important hip-hop podcast, from the stage to the lecture hall, a fascinating journey into the heart of hip-hop academia. Check out my talk with rapper and professor Dr. A.D. Carson. My name is Manny Faces. This is Hip Hop Can Save America. Let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. My hip-hop will rock the shop the nation. Hip-hop culture is more than music. Peace to you. We'll speak the truth, showing what peace can do when there are for you. My hip-hop will block the shock the nation. Rap is something you do, hip-hop is something you live. So hip-hop didn't invent anything, but hip-hop reinvented everything. In some of my other podcast work in the disabilities rights space, I've come across a saying, a mantra of sorts, nothing about us without us. It's a demand, actually, that people with disabilities must be involved in legislature, accommodations, products, and other decisions that affect their lives. With the rise of hip-hop-oriented programs at colleges and universities, it's generally seen as a good thing for the advancement of hip-hop culture. But I've spoken with many hip-hop-oriented academics who feel that the field must adopt the same principles, that participants and practitioners of hip-hop must be able to shape the direction of hip-hop in the academy. Now, today's guest is a powerful voice for that mission. Dr. A.D. Carson is a professor of hip-hop in the Global South at the University of Virginia, who received quite a bit of well-deserved acclaim for his dissertation, Owning My Masters, The Rhetorics of Rhymes and Revolutions, which was delivered as an exceptional rap album. But first and foremost, A.D. the Great is a rapper, an artist, and he sits in a unique position with one foot in the music world and another firmly planted inside academia. Now, if you know me, you know I love speaking with folks in this position. I have a different, personal, conflicted connection to the academic world, and I've written about the importance of independent hip-hop scholars and others who can deliver an experiential form of instruction being welcomed into the halls of legacy institutions. I think it's important. AD provides brilliant insight on this intersection, as well as other ways that hip-hop, music, and culture should be valued both inside and outside the classroom. Now, before we get to it, remember, you can get a ton of inspiring and innovative hip-hop news and views along these lines via my free newsletter. It's at mannyfaces.substack.com. 
I just had a ton of great interactions with the last edition, and I want to say thanks to all the new subscribers and new paid subscribers, Don C. and Anna G. Thank you. If you feel that the newsletter and this podcast brings value into the world, I could use your support in keeping it going and remaining independent and defiant against the dumbing down of the culture. You can contribute to the cause on the Substack or, if you prefer, at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. All right, here's my conversation with Dr. A.D. Carson, a.k.a. A.D. the Great. Professor Dr. A.D. Carson, A.D. the Great. Peace, peace, peace. Peace, brother. It's good to have you here. Long overdue. I appreciate your time. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I am surviving the best that I can. Word. You know, I say these days, you know, if I'm good, I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll take I, good. I, I understand that feeling. <laughs> yeah, man. So I gave you, I gave a little intro in my preamble, but please, if you would introduce yourself in the way that you present yourself to the world, and I guess in context to perhaps what brought us together today. Uh, yeah, well, I'm AD. I am a rapper, professor, educator from Decatur, Illinois. Yeah, I think that's that explains all of it. That's it. Yeah. Let's um let's start at that current bit. Um, you know, I've, I've, we we I've, we've run into each other. I've known you for a long time. Obviously, a lot of folks that probably are listening to this, you know, know of your work and your acclaim. But I want to start sort of at the current, and then we'll maybe run it back a bit. As a uh, uh, assistant professor of hip hop in the Global South, that's your current title, correct? Correct. Yeah. Hopefully, that'll be changing in a few months. I mean, well, that's you know, that's the you, you tracking right, so you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's through the, or it's halfway through the process, but hopefully we'll be associate professor of hip hop, you know, soon. Congrats in advance. I'm sure it's going to happen. Appreciate that. What are you right now? I guess we're in the middle of a semester when we're talking at this point. Uh, what are your, what's your current uh, course load? What are you teaching right now? And going to give a synopsis of the, the courses you're, you're teaching. Right. I'm teaching a class called The Black Voice, which is I mean, really, it's a class about listening practices, how we hear race through, you know, sounds, not just sort of vocalizing, but all kinds of sounds, how sounds are racialized and how those histories unfold. And I'm teaching another class called Composing Mixtapes. And that class has 15 students and their goal for the semester is to record an album together. Mm. And they have to do a release event so they can share it with whoever their presumed audience is. Right. There is, so this is, is it a music department? Is this, are these musicians or are they not necessarily even coming from that background, particularly for that so, class? So, okay. I'm in a music department, but the classes are open to anybody at the university. So lots of people from lots of different places come and um, I don't have any real prerequisites for them to participate. You do not have to be a musician to take writing rap or yeah. to take composing mixtapes. I, I think this centers around a lot of the work that you do and, and a lot of who you are in that uh, what you think about rap and hip hop ain't necessarily where you're coming from with rap and hip hop. You know, it's, it's always right, kind of right. these preconceived notions of, well, you know, you have to be a musician and be like, no, you don't. You yeah, have to yeah. want to be a rapper. No, you don't this class can help you in in ways even if you're not coming with those previous aspirations, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think that it would be odd for somebody to be in the context of living in America and be unaffected by hip hop in some way or another. And I don't mean just 
some kind of effect. I mean, profoundly affected. So even the way that we do language with one another has a whole lot to do with what hip hop has brought us. And so I think that if a person is into etymology, if a person is into rhetorics, if a person is into history, if a person is into sociology, whatever it may be, they are going to benefit from studying through hip hop as opposed to studying hip hop. Right. And I'm not saying that we do one and not the other. I'm saying that we're doing both in the same way that you benefit from writing those 10 essays that you do in your advanced composition class. You're going to benefit from writing the 10 raps that I have you write in writing rap. This ties in obviously to something that brought you some acclaim. I mean, one of the many things is your, you know, your dissertation, uh, which was in the form of an album. Uh, and and uh, the owning my masters, the rhetorics of rhymes and revolutions, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So now, now, what was obviously groundbreaking? I think in that it was the was it the first ever record, you know, album to be done as a dissertation. You know, I'm not sure. You know, because I'm so much more concerned with like how it might be used by people and the fact that the fact that it was done that way and in my you know humble opinion is dope is really the, the the more important thing and i think that the american obsession with being the first is it's not i mean there's not a problem with it because if it is then we'll be that right but i think that when we try to narrate stories in that way we're looking for a kind of novelty that has way less to do with whether it's good or not, with whether it's productive or not, with whether it works the way that it's supposed to work. And that's the thing that I'm more concerned with. So if there is another one, it's it's not this one. Right. Got and again, it. I submit that humbly. No, I but, appreciate like, that. I you know, appreciate no. that a lot. No, I appreciate that a lot. And what's, what's great about, and, and why it was dope, um, you know, certainly wasn't because it might have been the first. It was dope and it's dopeness. Uh, and what was particularly interesting about it was that it wasn't, and you you said this a few minutes ago, it, it wasn't about rap or hip hop. Right, right. It was the vehicle, right? The medium to examine a slew of issues and particularly revolving, you know, around some of the stuff you're talking about now in your classes, race in America, et cetera. And um, I, I guess this was your idea. What I love about the 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 real dopeness of of putting it out there was sort of it was a challenge, right? It was a challenge to academia yep, that yep. you're saying this is as viable a form of literature, a form of presenting information, of disseminating information as anything. And you know, I, I don't know if you said this necessarily as boldly, but you know, I dare you to not recognize it as such. <laughs> in a yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is. Like we've we've had hip hop for 50 years and it's a billion dollar industry or it's a collection of billion dollar industries. For us to pretend as if that's not a thing, that it needs to be validated or valorized in academia before that counts, that's absurd. And so by the time I get to a doctoral program, and I've been writing rhymes, I've been releasing albums, I've been doing shows, whatever it may be. You can't tell me that what I learned doesn't count or it's not viable or it shouldn't come to bear on whatever it is that I'm making or that it should be extracurricular. And so part of the challenge is that the thing that y'all keep treating as extracurricular 
shouldn't exist in some kind of alternative curriculum. It should be the primary curriculum. And the fact that y'all keep excluding it has a whole lot to do with y'all lack rather than it has to do, you know, anything with what hip hop doesn't have. Right. How effective was this method of, you know, doing a dissertation and, and the way you talk about it and have talked about it since? How effective has that been, do you think, you know, in the eyes of academia? You're in it now. So then you, you kind of then ended up there. What's yep. that dichotomy been like? Or, you know, saying I'm challenging the way it should work. Now I'm part of it. I get a chance to do it. How, do, how has it changed maybe for you personally in, in, you know, in your university and then maybe yeah, yeah. wider? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting to be asked in some cases, I guess in a certain way, you're being asked to be a gatekeeper. Yeah. And in my eyes, I'm like, well, no, we don't need the gates. Right. That, right. That's the thing that we need to do. And so it's way different being on the inside of the gate saying we don't need it as folks on the inside implore you to watch to make sure that everybody gets vetted before they come through. So there's there's that part. But, you know, I maintain that that was the way that I felt beforehand. I appreciate the space that is opened up. I appreciate especially and it doesn't get said enough by me, all of the folks who have done all work with hip hop in academia before I even had the opportunity to try to submit an album. Because without their work, then there would be no way that I'd be able to do what I'm doing. I hope that the work that I've done and am doing is sufficient so that folks don't have to do the kind of work that I had to do in order to get the thing that I did across the finish line. So that you might say that my methodology is rap. And then the album be about whatever it is that you're going to do. Like the topic of your dissertation isn't also the rhetorics of rhymes and revolutions. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, especially in a place like Clemson or a place like UVA where these places are plantations or very much like plantations. And you want to talk about the layout of the land. You want to talk about knowledge production. You want to talk about history. And before you do all of that, you got to say, oh yeah, I'm rapping this because if I don't rap it, it won't make sense the way that I want it to make sense. So that that's my hope. And I see some of that happening, but it's still slow. And my hope is that, say like a person who's not Nas, who's not Jay-Z, who's not Lupe Fiasco, but someone on their way to being one of those people. The, the 16 year old MC, and you know, she's in Charlottesville or she's in Decatur or New York and says, I don't wanna stop MCing just to go to college. And says, this mixtape that I'm working on actually represents my academic participation in the worlds that I want to participate in at the next level. And she submits that mixtape and somebody at whatever university is able to listen to that, to hear it, evaluate it and say, that's the kind of student that we want in our classrooms here. Yeah. With no, with no prerequisites, no, exactly. no uh, caveats to behind it. Yeah. 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 And, and then it's not exceptional. Right. It's just normal. <laughs> right. But exceptional. 
<laughs> but exceptional. I mean, because you got to be dope, right? right? Sure. But right. in the same way that, I mean, you know, like I think that Stanford or one of these Ivy League schools, I don't know which one, had a, you know, used to do a exemplary student admissions essays. Mm-hmm. Imagine the exemplary student essays mm. for entry to universities being a mixtape. And it's all kinds of stuff that you hear about all kinds of things. And those are the things that those students submitted to get themselves into college. And that's the kind of work they plan on doing because whether colleges get on board or not, folks are still doing exemplary work in these fields and folks all over the world are listening to it. People are engaging with it. Why wouldn't our universities be the kind of places that we try to train ourselves or become educated in being able to hear, assess, evaluate, and you know whatever else we do with all other kinds of knowledge that gets produced in the world. Yeah, you know, and this is why personally I I really love your angle and and the way you you look at things. I work on a podcast called Newsbeat, and what Newsbeat is is a journalism podcast. It's a social justice oriented podcast, and sure. what we do is we interview the experts and activists and uh, people who are facing certain kinds of injustice. And we kind of, you know, weave a little musical bed underneath it sort of as a documentary might have a score. But what we do is we invite independent hip hop artists to drop 316s over the right, course right. of the of the episode. So it's, you know, yeah. like in three acts, we like to say it's like Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast, baby. Right, uh, right. <laughs> and so so what, what I'm doing there is I'm I'm giving you know, MCs that are brilliant, independent, you know, MCs that have their own take on society and their own take on these issues to function as journalists, right? Not to, yeah. th- they are journalists. And, and as we know throughout hip hop's history, uh, rap artists particularly, but certainly across all the elements, this has been documentation of, of life around us. They have been journalists. And so I look at that and I say, there's no reason why a rap artist shouldn't be able to be considered a journalist without any, you know, prerequisites or, or, uh, or caveats. So we, yeah. we package it and we say, this is journalism. This yeah. is journalism. Yeah. They're part of it. It's not a extracurricular. It's part of the package. And, and so, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, so, so that's the one way that we're trying to, I guess, get that same message out to society that we're just as viable in this method, in this medium. Yeah, well, and, you know, form communicates so much about the information that's contained within the form as well. And so there's certain things that there's certain things that I get from a rap verse and there are certain things that I communicate with the rap verse that I don't want to come outside the verse and explain to you the thing that I'm hoping that folks get from it. And the folks who hear that, like the folks who are tuned into that frequency, that's my audience. And so if you don't hear that, you know, like if you can't if you can't see that picture, if right. you can't hear that message, then I'm not painting for you. I'm not speaking to you. Right. And so if folks are going to continue consuming in the ways that they are, I would implore them to to learn how to hear across those frequencies, uh, to learn what those layers might be. And if you don't learn those layers and this is our common text then you're not proficient, you know? And so in the, in the same way that someone says that if you don't understand what, I don't know, like the, the green light and Gatsby means or what Rosebud and Citizen Kane means, right? Like if, if you don't hear the nuances 
in, you know, in MC Light's verses, that's a problem, fam. Or if not a problem, there's something more for you to learn. I'll say it you're that mi- way. You're, mi- you're missing something. You're yeah, missing yeah. out. You're missing out on something that's yep, valuable. Yep. That's obviously has value. Yes. So it's this, again, it's this dichotomy, right? It's this like having to do this without having to convince that it's reasonable, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I saw your brilliant take on takeoff on gun violence in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on Newsy, I believe. What factors would you say uh, are contributing to this apparent rise in deaths among hip hop artists in particular and young hip hop artists at that? Yeah, I mean, thank you for having me. Um, I think that it's probably important for us to kind of scale out and think about the fact that this weekend, um, along with the killing of Takeoff, which is incredibly tragic, that we also had, I believe the Washington Post reported nine mass shootings, including a drive-by on a park in Chicago. And so I think that the the way that these tragedies around rappers are framed make it seem as if a particular thing is happening in uh, hip-hop culture or within like subcultures, but it's a violence, an epidemic of violence in America that we're all being affected by. And I think that it feels more profound because the rappers who pass away, some of them as uh, Takeoff is, are incredibly influential and popular. And so on the other side of that really spectacular story about uh, a really famous rapper dying, you have children being terrorized while they're out trying to trick or treat. And so that's part of the conversation as well. It was again... We're talking about a particular instance that happens that's connected to hip hop, but isn't necessarily uh, a correlation causation, right? It's not actually because of hip hop, but inevitably, and I get this all the time, I'm an advocate for hip hop music and culture, and I have to have this conversation at the top of conversations Mm -hmm. way too often that we have to defend the, the culture, the genre, the participants you know, yeah, and yeah. by that we mean black and brown folk, you know, very clearly mm-hmm. in their pursuits in this genre, in this culture. But it's still necessary to do that. And I know we we're trying to get to a world where it's not. Yeah. How do we how do we reckon with that every day? I mean, one of the things that I try to do, even with that piece about takeoff yeah. and any time that I'm asked about rappers, particularly rappers in violence, is just to reframe the conversation. So. Yeah, we need to deal with the plague of violence within black and brown communities. We need to deal with the way that violence is visited upon us so often. But I think that while we're dealing with that, we also need to make sure that the conversation that we're having about the particular instances of violence are in the context of the larger instances of American violence. And if we aren't doing that, then we aren't having the conversation that we believe that we're having. So, I mean, if we're talking about what happened to Young Dolph, then we kind of have to talk about what's going on in Memphis. We have to talk about what's going on in the state. We have to talk about what's going on in the country. Because as sure as someone's going to blame the murder of rappers on rap music, we know that they're not going to blame the murder of school children on nursery rhymes. Right. 
And it would seem silly to do something like that. And it's just as silly to blame rap music. Now, when violence shows up in rap music, as we were talking about reportage, if you were to go to your local news station and stand outside and say, hey, I need to stop reporting all that happens in this community because y'all are making it happen. Everybody would think that those folks standing outside the news station were wild because we wouldn't know about violence if not for the news folks giving us local news. So I believe that what rap is doing in these instances is reflecting crisis. It's not the cause of crisis. And we need to deal with the cause of crisis, not what's reporting it or not what's reflecting it. I mean, because we don't go around breaking mirrors. You know, if if I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, I'm ugly. I don't like the way I look. If I break that mirror, I still look the way I look. So why don't I deal with the thing that I that I want to change? If I don't like my appearance, then I change my appearance. I don't change the thing that reflects my appearance. Mirrors ain't going around making people look ways that they don't want to look. Right. Yeah. And so I think that rap in many of these instances is holding a mirror up to society and it's society that we need to hold accountable. And especially if it's politicians who are saying that it's the rap music that's, you know, causing all of the ills. Because like what's wild to me is that unless the rapper gets elected to public office and gets to make laws, then my challenge to that person would be like, you literally got elected to change that. Right. Yeah, I made a song <laughs> and nobody elected me to make the song. I went downstairs and was like, yo, this 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 feels good. This feels like what I should be doing. You went out and campaign said you might be able to change things and then you got elected and then you started pointing at me and saying, this guy right here is the reason that everything is bad. Okay. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> weird indeed. <laughs> You're really pointing to a particular thing that happens with politicians in major cities and you know, et cetera, et cetera. I won't say, you know, exactly who Mayor Adams I may be talking about, but it happens. <laughs> yeah. And the scapegoating <laughs> is, I mean, it's so... It's so old, it's tired, and you would think that we could see through it, we should be able to see through it. But I think that another part of this is that like, perhaps it's the fact of fandom. And I mean this not just about music or just about artists, but I believe that fandom makes us make bad arguments. And what I'm saying is that like, if you like something or you dislike something, then your like or dislike is going to be the thing that you're arguing about. And so like, as a student of hip hop, not a fan of hip hop, but as a student of hip hop, who's engaging in study daily, regularly, I'm not interested in curating fandom or whatever it's opposite is. I'm interested in like sort of digging in and getting at what's happening, what's being said, what are the arguments, how are they being made, if they're ethical, uh, how it appeals to people. And I think that what folks are doing now, like this legislation, say like against African-American studies or African-American literature and history, the reasons that these folks are giving for banning those things is because they want to curate fandom of the United States. In the same way that folks curate fandom about their favorite rappers, and because the rappers are their favorite, then they can't have done anything wrong. Or the things that they have done that are wrong ultimately ended up good because they made it to wherever they are. 
that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't mean that a bad thing isn't bad because you turned out okay. Right. And in the case of the United States of America, we haven't turned out okay. And I think that the curation of fandom of the United States, that's an ill that's plaguing us all because it's making it more difficult for us to dig deeper and then point at all of the other ills that have, you know, caused what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And so I think that we should be engaging not just in our sort of music as students, not just in hip hop as students, but in history and all facets of our education, we should be trying to be students rather than trying to, or like uh, allowing folks to legislate fandom of the United States of America, because that feels like what's going on. And that's something I think that music can teach us about these other disciplines. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's that's an interesting connection. Fandom, the legislation of fandom, brilliant. That is a way to look at it. And you know what's funny? <laughs> no, I think it's brilliant. I love that, and I'm keeping that, and I'm going to sure. dwell on that. And it's funny that it's coming from you, a professor, but a rapper. First, first thing you said to me is, "I'm a rapper." I think of the yeah, first thing you yeah. said. And you said, uh, "I'm taking a quote that you said. I think it was time." Who said, "What if we really listen to rappers?" You said, like, mm-hmm. for real, if we listen to rappers, what might we learn? Mm-hmm. This is something that I'm learning, but, you know, a, a way of looking at the, the current socio-political state of America through this lens that you've seen it because you're attached to music and you know about fandom, you're a student of hip hop. Now you're applying that to say, well, can I be a student of history? Can I be, and use that methodology to kind of make these connections that I think are brilliant and I'm sure others will as well. What other things like this do rappers and the way that hip hoppers in general see the world can be applied to some of the other societal ills. That's the whole basis of what I talk about, that we have mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. special superpower. We see yeah, things yeah. in these ways, you know? No, I mean, think just, I mean, a small thing, and maybe it's not that small, but like, you know, the way that we, even in this conversation, we're talking about dope and dopeness. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's interesting to be, an artist or to be a person who's trying to be dope in a world where many of our most powerful institutions want to see themselves as pharmacies, right? And so what I mean is, okay, let's say there wasn't a rap album that came from a PhD program or no one had produced a PhD dissertation with a rap album until 2017. And if that's dope and it comes from Clemson University, is Clemson a pharmacy now? Right. Is that a place that that you go to to get this particular kind? I mean, because like we probably wouldn't call it dope if it came from over the counter at a pharmacy. Mm. Right. Like we call dope the thing that comes out the back door. (laughs) Right. But it's sold down the block. That's a prescription you're talking about. Yeah. 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 The the prescription. So like so. So. Are the prescriptions and the postscripts that our powerful institutions believe that they can give with regard to whatever it is that we regard as dope. And we know that they're actively engaged in the exclusion of the thing that might be called that before they sanction it, right? Because if you're selling the thing without their permission, then it's illicit. Right. And so like when the illicit version- It's mixtapes, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, so when the, so when the legal version of it happens, what are we forced to do? Like sort of in the wake of the war on drugs or, you know, sort of in the current opioid crisis. Yeah. What do we do about this sanctioning and this exclusion? And I think that that's not, again, particular to rap music. That's something that's revealed in the language that we use to talk about something as mundane as coolness. Mm. Just something that we think is good is dope. Right. 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 Like, but when I go to CVS, I'm not saying like, yo, I'm about to go pick up my dope. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Hopefully and, my insurance, my insurance covers this dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, so, so what's the deal with all of these institutions? Well, we know what the deal is. I'm just saying that like their sanctioning of what we might otherwise call dope, the giving of the, I won't say giving the awarding of, of um, doctoral degrees and fellowships and uh, degree programs for undergraduates, you know, all of those kinds of things. What are the obligations of those institutions with regard to this history that we know intersects directly with going to war with not just dope, but the people who were dope, the people who would presume to be on those drugs, the people who were associated with those drugs, what's our obligation now? Not just sort of financially, what's our obligation in language? Do we have an obligation to interrogate that whenever we're so casually dropping, you know, that, that little piece of language into our, into our conversations? I think that's like a small thing that we can think through if we listen to rap or if we listen to hip hop culture. That's a small, big thing. You're right. It's not that small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, big, yeah. small thing, however you, <laughs> however you want to phrase it. That's very interesting as well. It makes me go back to the underlying conversation that a lot of folks, you know, I talk to a lot of folks who are kind of one foot in academia, one foot still in uh, in uh, production of, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. hip hop, either whether it be music, you know, dance, there's a lot of areas of focus. Myself, as an independent scholar, I don't have degrees, but I'm no less uh, a scholar of hip hop uh, right, than right. anyone who does. But it's that that fight between validation, you know, not wanting validation. You know, we don't need no validation from the ivory tower institutions. Mm-hmm. But then it's helpful sometimes when we get it, but not when it's only on their terms, right? It's exactly. that whole thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that was the reason... Actually, all of the mixtapes that I did when I was at one semester, I did a mixtape and they were like sort of term one, term two, summer session. And it was literally me trying to say, I'm doing this on my own terms. Right. Well, yeah, like we live in a society where powerful institutions have the platform to be able to share the thing that you're doing with far more people. I happen to believe, and I don't know whether I'm able to successfully do this or not, but that we can be in those institutions without being agents of those institutions. It's really difficult. But I'm committed to trying to make sure that I don't become so infected by so infected by UVA or a PhD or Clemson or whatever institution that I can't speak truth back to that place or about the position that I occupy currently. Because as you said, there, I mean, 
Clemson didn't make me a rapper. UVA didn't make me a rapper. Neither of them could make me dope. Even if they could give me skills to be able to describe some of the stuff that I was doing or give me the time to be able to study more, they're not going to be able to like make you into the thing. You don't come into my program not being able to make music and then come out as a master musician. Right. So I have to be able to say that and then know that what it is that we're looking for is something that we got to go all the way back. Like with the with the young people who are coming up, we got to we got to say, hey, sixth grade student who's writing rhymes, keep doing that. You might be able to benefit from that later on. But I also have to be realistic and say, I don't know that every institution is going to accept this because we still haven't made it that far. Yeah. And so I think our obligation or what I take on as my obligation is to understand that given the order of things as they are currently, we can have whatever critiques that we want of, of the institutions where we are. They don't make us the thing. Right. The institution ain't the prize and they don't make you the prize. Right. Right. The prize is always outside of the institutions. Right. But it's really hard to articulate that to somebody if you got a 12-month salary, you know, summer funds, research funds, you know, and all of that. The reason that that's difficult is because you're speaking from a position of power saying all of the stuff that I have, it don't right. really matter. I renounce it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. You renounce it, but you still, but you still withdraw from that deposit every month. Right. Like I can, I can, I could want to renounce my privilege, but yeah, there's yeah. only so much that I can do. I still have it. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so in the same way that I, you know, like, I'm never going to deny that I worked hard. I ain't the only one working hard and hard work don't automatically equal the same reward. Right. Yeah. And I think that we got to know that as we're in this situation of this kind of recognition uh, that, that's going on. And then that means that the imperative to break the gates, to help make space for other folks, uh, to do the mentoring, like all of those things become all the more important when you understand all of that. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I talked to a lot of folks who are kind of in, and I, I know that y'all must talk amongst yourselves. These are, these are common uh, issues and, 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 and I don't want to say obstacles. They're just, you know, things you have to work with uh, when yep, you're in a position yep. that you are when hip-hop is your institution you know what mm -hmm. i mean and you're and you're bringing that into these other institutions so it's fascinating to me like i say you know uh i i don't I haven't walked the halls of academia my, my dad was a distinguished professor of sociology i knew some things by osmosis uh and i'm just finding it fascinating to talk to folks like yourself and i know that others will value what you're relaying here and i think it's important for the overall cause so i thank you for all your insights on that uh before I, before we go sure. you know i named this podcast hip-hop can save america and uh, I have my own reasons for why I name it that way. And I guess my own uh, reasons for believing that to be true. Can I ask you to interpret that statement, interpret that title? And, and what's your take on it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this needs an important caveat, I think. Like, <laughs> if America is capable of being saved, if America is capable of being saved, it's going to be among the masses. It's not going like it's going to be institutions like hip hop. It's going to be community institutions. It's going to be 
people utilizing collective power to do so. And it's not going to come from on high. It's not going to be like folks who have a whole lot of power are going to decide one day to stop abusing it and then save the idea of America. I mean, these are people who are literally changing what they said the definition of education was so that they can make America into something that it, it never was, never will be, and never intended to be. And so if it's capable of being saved, it's not just going to be hip hop, but it's going to be the people. Yeah. yeah. And also that means that the people will have to believe that America, the idea of it is worth saving. Right. Because I imagine that there are a lot of folks who even given the projected ideal of America yep. are like, nah, I'd rather something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't be mad at those folks. No, no, that's valid too. I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective. It, it's a, it, it tracks well with what I believe. And uh, I say we might need a little bit more than just hip hop. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. But I think that what exists in hip hop's DNA is that superpower that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. You know, and I think that it that's where it, it. I don't know that there's a social movement, cultural movement, you know, group of folk, community, constituency that does it better, that yeah, could do yeah. it better than hip hop. So yeah, and and just imagine all of the. I mean, like sort of at its at its beginnings, all of the things that are folded in are not things that are called hip hop. Right. And so if we consider that, then there are all kinds of things that can be folded in. And I think that with that kind of collective, the thing that we're talking about is possible. Yeah. Well, I agree. And I thank you once again for your time, your insights across all these different uh, spectrums that we got into today, man. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much. Like you said, long overdue. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And we'll do it again, I'm sure. Anything that the people need to know about, anything you might be working on now besides just, you know, educating the minds that are youth them? Yeah, well, you know, I've got an album out called Talking to Ghosts. There's an essay with Scalawag Magazine about that. And I've got some new projects coming, but I'll announce them whenever they come. I used to love to dream Sleepwalking 2, Sleepwalking 1, and then a mastered version of the dissertation album will be coming this summer from University of Michigan Press. Oh, very dope. That's very good. Um, as you know, I have a newsletter that goes out, Words I Manifest, and anything you drop, I usually tell people about. Uh, so continue to keep feeding me, and I'll continue to feed uh, the folks who are paying attention. And uh, hopefully I get down to check you out in person one of these days as I am moving about the cabin quite a bit and speaking here and there and, you know, love to come by and visit. No doubt. You're more than welcome anytime. All right, my friend. Thank you once again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. Peace. I want to say thanks again to the inimitable Dr. A.D. Carson. For more on his various works, visit A.D. The Great. That's A-Y-D-E-E The Great dot com. And he's also on Instagram under the same handle, A.D. The Great. Now, if you're watching this or listening to it, I guarantee you'll dig this newsletter, by the way. It's filled with hip hop fueled innovation and insight, plus upcoming events and an editorial here and there. Sign up today at mannyfaces.substack.com. It's free. You can also find me on IG as well at Manny Faces Official or visit MannyFaces.com to get more information about me. Maybe book me to talk to your school, your organization, or your business about leadership, innovation, or inclusivity lessons that can be gleaned from 50 years of hip-hop music and culture. 
Now, if you have any questions or suggestions for future shows or compliments, those are nice. I'll take them. Email at hiphopcansaveamerica at gmail.com. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're also following Hip Hop Can Save America on your favorite audio or podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, we're everywhere. And if you're listening, you can watch these episodes as well. Go ahead and visit youtube.com slash mannyfaces and hit that subscribe button. Lastly, if you feel inclined to help support the show and the newsletter so that I can stay fully independent and unbeholden to corporate interests the way hip hop should be, visit patreon.com slash mannyfaces. The bonus is you'll get to hear baby girl faces say your name. And me, I'm Manny Faces. A sincere thank you for those rocking with me. This podcast is a joint presentation from the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy and Manny Faces Media. The show is created, written, hosted, and edited by me. I also produce the theme song. Thanks also, as always, to our brilliant associate producer, Summer. Be sure to check out her amazing initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. Until next time, peace and love. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.